Greetings! Welcome to another episode of Invisible Disco Productions Podcast Writer's Block Party. We are hoping to share the work of emerging artists and break down the all too mysticized process of creating developing art. Fun fact, we made up the word mysticized, apparently. Found that out recently. It's not really a word. It's not really a word. It's not really but a word. But you know what we know, meant, so... You, you guys know exactly what we meant, and that's all that's important. Um, I am Amelia Annan. And I am Thea Thronson, and today we have the wonderful Iris Rianne. Iris is a New York-based actor, theater maker, and artistic collaborator. She holds a BFA in drama with honors from New York University's Tisch School of the Arts and a minor in the business of media, entertainment, and technology from NYU Stern slash Tisch. She trained at Playwrights Horizons Theater School, the International Theater Workshop in Amsterdam, and the Classical Studio. When not acting, writing, or devising, you can find her attempting to learn a variety of musical instruments, reading the latest Booker Prize-winning novel, or seeking out nature wherever she can find it. Iris, hello! Hi, Iris. Hi. How's it going? Good. How are both of you? Good, good. Gosh, I'm good. I, I'm a little buzzed right now because, not like in an alcoholic way, but I just drink Diet Coke. Um, and I <laughs> don't normally drink do soda, that. so I'm just like bouncing uh-huh. off the walls. Um, I could tell when you were reading the, the intro. Was like, yeah, I was like, look at it. I well, yeah, I, I just, I had a really bad headache right before this. Like, it mm. hurt a lot. So I was just like laying in my bed. And then my roommate suggested drinking Diet Coke. And well, it actually right. worked. Mm-hmm. It, Diet Coke got me through college, I'm mm. pretty sure. <laughs> love that. I love that for us. Diet Coke, um, if you'd like to endorse this podcast. Yeah, we feel free. You. Reach out. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> there you go. There you um, go. So you brought you brought in a little uh, piece, a little poem. Uh, yeah, for it's us this today? it's this prose poem um, that yeah. I'm looking to adapt into a short film. Um, yeah, should I go ahead and, and get started? Yeah. Is yeah. There any, read it. It's up to you if you want to start with reading it or if you want to give any context. Otherwise, we can contextualize it after. Oh yeah, let's let's contextualize it after. I'll just throw it on out there. All right. Yeah. Sick. Okay. It's called Routine. I haven't been writing much during the pandemic. I haven't been writing. Instead, my legs reach for my bike, toes searching the perimeter of my shoes, stretching to the pedals. Welcome home. I'd always go the same route. Pedaling nowhere, really. Pedaling nowhere at all, really. Pedaling nowhere at all. Quarantism. I'm inventing words because the language I have is no longer mine. Pedaling all day along this river, just me and my bike. Most days I battle winds so strong they force me into a standstill. It's a metaphor. I'm cracking. I'm prematurely old, prematurely aging away. My midlife crisis, quarter life crisis I heard today. Everything I do is mediocre. I'm mired in routine. Is it a trap? Rhythmically slapping the bike path, unwavering from my lane. I've been told I'm a rock, but the problem is I don't feel all that solid. I don't feel there at all. I don't feel at all there. Rocks exist. What am I doing? What am I doing? Where am I going? Where am I going when I don't know where I am? I'm battling gale force winds on this bicycle of mine, battling gusts of grief that almost knocked me over, but not quite, not enough to ruin me, just enough to make me aware of my own fragility. The river sometimes sparkles and gleams and sometimes seems penetrable. A textured surface. I imagine sailing my bike into its depths, my wheels spinning through the waves like they're whipping butter. Sometimes the river glares at me, impassive and gray, a horizontal rock formation, solid enough I could bike across, but don't. What's stopping me? 
I always turn just before the Longfellow Bridge. I don't like biking over that single lane grating, afraid I'll collide with the oncoming traffic. Don't like getting too close to the others. Don't like watching their water rushing beneath me. I prefer to interact with the river from a distance. I've always preferred gazing from a distance. I have glasses I never wear because I don't mind the blur. I prefer it, actually. I'd rather not see anything at all than see the fine details, see the ways in which everybody cracks. Looking too close horrifies me. I can bike away from my computer and my house and my family and all my hopes and dreams that I poured into rehearsal rooms, streams of minutes and hours and days and studios that I cannot, will not occupy in, I don't know, how long? How long? One Mississippi, two. I learned to break time up. A minute is six groups of 10 seconds. 15 minutes divides into three groups of five. An hour is 15, four times. I stopped. I can't remember when, why. There's only so much my brain can hold. I guess my mind is more porous than I thought, I guess. I'm not meant for this. My routine holds me together. Technique binds me. But there's nothing real in technique. Am I losing myself? This new rhythm I found, biking, home, to my new old home, missing my old new home. The wind swirls around me and I can't make out the answer. Mm. <laughs> ah. Ah. <laughs> Let's just make sounds. Just <laughs> delicious. Did you guys ever have acting teachers like that where like after seeing they'd be like, mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you're just like sweating bullets. Yeah, what do like, they mean? You're like shaking, you're like twitching, your eyes twitching. You're like, is this a note? <laughs> right. What's the note? Please. That was like, so lovely. That was lovely. That was uh, really fun. I love the way that you're you like I love the way that you write, but especially poetry. Like it just it's so like the repetition and the, the structure of the page, it's just like really beautiful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm a fan. Yeah, you, I'm a fan. You ha- you have this great thing on page two where there's just like one line is just a question mark and it's like yeah. what's that about? Um, I love it. Like I feel like poetry is, I feel like there's a part of poetry and I feel like a lot of like old time old timey poetry, but like old you know like romantic poetry is like really mm. meant to be read out loud. Uh, but I feel like recently, like I feel like a lot of new poets are like really playing with like what it looks like on the on the page, which is super fun. Um, because mm-hmm. like a lot of poems are like posted on the internet and stuff. Um, yeah. which I'm like a huge, which I'm like I love that, and like you have moments where things, certain things are italicized, like really being conscious of what it looks like is like pretty dope. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Sweet. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about where this piece came from? Absolutely, yeah. So, I actually wrote it this fall in September. I just moved back to New York because of the pandemic. I was living in a dorm and then, like, had 48 hours to move home and was home for six months. Then finally, like, scrambled my way back. Um, And I was cast in a devised theater project that was supposed to take place in Prospect Park that ended up folding a few weeks later because it just wasn't possible safety-wise. But the first like assignment or rehearsal project for it was to write um, a piece of writing, essentially responding to the prompt of what is like an activity that you did during the quarantine. 
And so I, every day (laughs) when I got home, every day I would take my bike literally every single day and ride 10 miles along the Charles River in Cambridge, where I'm from. Um, It's like the river separating Cambridge from Boston. And just like, it was like a way for me to kind of like get out of the Zoom day because I was like doing classes and so forth. Um, Mm -hmm. And then it just became like a really joyous, like, like it just was like a really kind of restorative um, thing that I could rely on to like make me feel better. Cool. Very cool. That just, yeah. I mean, we are in an unprecedented time. Thank you. But (laughs) like the way that routine has, has like functioned in my life has become so different from like previous years. And, and that's like really worth highlighting. I was like really vibing with, with everything you were saying and like tech, what is technique? Like I, I rely on technique, but what is it? Like what, what is, there's no juice there. Yeah. And totally, like you, totally. you have really strong images, especially like water. Um, yeah. The water imagery is strong, which I always love. I love good water imagery. Can't get enough, honestly. <laughs> um, and just like, I don't know. I, and I thought it was so clever. I don't even know if you meant to do this, but the one Mississippi, two Mississippi, I was like, Mississippi River. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> Like, no, there was you know what? Of, I wish I, I had planned that, but I didn't. Yeah, you so wish you had really planned cool. <laughs> I am not from the South. I am not from the Midwest. I have no proximity to the Mississippi Delta. That's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I just thought you really brought out, like, and that's, like, I'd be interested how you, like, well, you mentioned how you started writing the poem and just, like, poems in general. Like, I I find uh, some people, like, really, really do well when they, like, start with an image like that. Like, I do not. So, Iris, like, what do you normally start writing a poem with? Like, do you start with, like, an idea, an image? Like, is it just comes to you? Um, Like, where do you normally begin? Or really writing anything, not necessarily a poem. Well, I really, um, I really respond well to the physical process. So I have lots of notebooks. I go through them really fast. I go through pens really fast, and I feel guilty because it's bad for the environment. However, I do lots of writing like that because whenever I'm on my computer, I... It's just hard for me to, like, let my mind wander enough to be inspired enough to write, if that makes any sense. And so Mm -hmm. I, like, I religiously journal on a daily basis um, a lot. And I think, like, because of that, I allow, like, free associations to happen. Um, And then I also read a lot. And so I read, I'm in this book club with my English teacher from my freshman year of college. And I went to school in Canada before transferring. And we read two novels a month and talk about them. Um, and in addition to that, I have a subscription to the New Yorker. Um, and so I read the New Yorker and then I just kind of read whatever I can get my hands on that people recommend. I'm like a loyal patron of the New York public library. Um, and so I find myself getting so inspired by the things I read. So it's reading, it's imagery, it's like carving out time to journal every day, even if it's not for a project and pretty much all of my written projects, all of my plays, all of my poetry, any short story, um, will spring from this like physical act and then me transcribing it onto like Microsoft Word and then going from there. Um different for but academic where, writing. But yeah. The where did stuff. you go to school in Canada? Um I went to this small liberal arts school in New Brunswick called Mount Allison University. Where why did you I'm just so curious. Like were you majoring in theater there or did you have like a 
a no, passion change. No, so and I'm a dual. I'm a dual national um, mm-hmm. with the U.S. Mm-hmm. and Canada, and my cousin had gone there, and my dad's family's from New Brunswick, so there's like a lot of connections there. Um, it's a. I went there as a dual major in English and environmental science, so I was oh. taking a core science curriculum and English classes, and then I was doing tons of theater on the side. Um, meaning like extracurricularly like that was where all my time went but I really like I took a gap year after high school too I was kind of a mess about what I wanted to do I had no idea um and when I got there I realized that that what was really inside of me was like wanting to do theater professionally and I didn't feel like the opportunities there would allow me to do that I'm very I'm always like so impressed by people who are willing to do something like that like change something like yeah. i feel like once i'm in something i'm like it's too late to change <laughs> um, i also get into that mindset but it's so crazy that we're like expect like that's what's expected at 18 19 yeah. 20 years old it's like what are you saying we live so much longer than we used to <laughs> i know it's crazy i think it's also like a u.s like i feel like there's a lot of yeah. pressure within the united states to like high school college grad school career it right. just feels so, Die. like, linear. And yeah. I don't think we have to approach it that way. I will say, it does take a certain, like, type of insanity to apply to college twice. And I would not yeah. recommend it. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're like, what wish fair. it upon my Especially subject. going to theater then. Because then, did you yeah. do, like, the whole audition circuit for a bunch of... Yep. Damn. <sighs> R.I.P. Uh, <laughs> you made it yeah. through, though. Made it through. Now we're here. What's what's a book you've read recently that you've really enjoyed? Um, I read Shuggy Bane recently. Okay. Um, by Douglas Stewart. It's it was the twenty twenty Booker Prize. I also read Girl Woman Other by Bernadine Evaristo. That was really beautiful. It's it's a queer fiction piece. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's written as like a a novel, but it's very poetic um it's very free form like capitalization punctuation these rules aren't really conventional Mm. in this novel and um it's very queer um especially between women and i'm gay and so it's just like it's always nice whenever i can read or experience any sort of media that like i feel like represents me um and it's really beautifully written i'd recommend it to anybody what was it called girl woman other by Bernadine Evaristo. <laughs> He's like, I'll be taking that down. I'm <laughs> taking that down right now. <laughs> uh, cool. That's very cool. I recently bought Orlando by Virginia Woolf. Fun fact. Mm. I don't know. Have, you, has, have either of you read it? No. Okay. Basically, uh, do you guys know what it's about? No. Okay. Well, let me tell you. Tell me all about it. Um. So it's like, okay. So Virginia Woolf, obviously we know who she is. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. A British writer, famous for being really sad all the time. Um, um, She wrote Orlando, and it's dedicated to this woman, Vida Saxville West, I believe is her full name, um, who was, like, basically Virginia Woolf's lady love, um, if you will. Um, And basically the story of Orlando is, like, I think it's, like, a two women are in love and one of them like dresses up like a man to be like uh so they can be married i think i'm butchering the story like a little bit but it's like sort of it's like sort of regarded as like one of the first like truly like queer women novels um that's why it's like a big deal um and uh so i was like i should read it that sounds like fun and it's not like depressing it's like like it's like it's like fun and like happy and it's like it's like hijinks it's like i think it's a little bit like uh 
what's that Shakespeare play where they, I mean, all the Shakespeare plays where they're dressing up like, like the other, other night genders. Or <laughs> as or you like, like it. As you like it. Like, that sort of, I think it's Got like it. that sort of fun um, thing. And then, like, yeah, hijinks ensues, I think. Um, and no one dies at the end, which is cool. Um, at least yes. I don't think so. I read the Wikipedia summary, so just to make sure, and I don't believe so. Um, and on that note, I I suggest that as well. I don't know, I haven't read it yet. I'll let you know when it's if it's good. But <laughs> I, I might assume, suggest it. <laughs> I might suggest it in the future. But keep us a, posted. In a pursuit, in I'm a always looking for, for good like, new reads. Yeah, queer fiction. I feel like that's definitely a good because I because I feel I'm totally on a tangent right now. I feel like a lot of uh, gay fiction that people really enjoy is normally two men. <laughs> Call mm-hmm. me by your name, um, which is not <laughs> just not a bad book, right? But it's it's just it's like the women can also be really in it, really. Uh-huh. Yeah, it throws you for a loop, and then just like the movie, and then army hammers in the movie. It just it was a little cursed. <laughs> a lot is a lot is going on with that novel it, um, it honestly cracks me up anyway um but yes you're absolutely on a completely on. different tangent we're gonna throw back around to iris um and that gay you love <laughs> yes we, we love uh, gay women here at um, party. <laughs> famously um famously <laughs> uh lesbians okay i read it i okay Sorry, I read a tweet. This is, like, one of the most unhinged thread. things we've done, Thea. Because normally, like, we're really good at being, like, really uh, professional. And Dennis yes. and Lauren are a little bit more wacky. <laughs> we're just... We usually hold it down. Lesbians. But I just have to say this because it's important to me. I read a tweet thread that, uh, like, like, female-centric words, like lesbian, for example tend to fall out of, like, canon use um, because they become derogatory. And I was reading a, a thread by this woman, this, like, linguist, who was talking about how she's, like, seeing it with the word lesbian. And, like, more often people use the words gay or, like, queer, um, like, gay women, queer women, rather than lesbian, um, particularly when, like, self-identifying because of, like, gatekeeping, like... Uh, preconceptions, particularly transphobic gatekeeping preconceptions about the lesbian community, but she was like, is that not also true of the gay community even though gay is an umbrella term? Like, is that not also a gatekeeping community? So I was just like reading this thread and I'm making a concerted effort to use the word lesbian to describe myself instead of gay woman or queer woman. Yeah, because now. I let, literally just read anything about like no man, no gay man is ever like, I'm a lesbian. Right, <laughs> right. it's not an umbrella term. <laughs> it's not, it's not. Uh, I but yeah, I think I'd that's like, so funny. I, um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like anyway. saying like I'm a gay woman, like people totally understand what you mean, but right. no man will be like, uh, I'm a lesbian. Um, anyway, I'm so sorry. So we've absolutely derailed uh, this podcast in, it's in all its ways. I respect to you. I would, love, <laughs> I would love to hear more about, about this poem. Do you often write prose poetry poetry or do you is it a, a mix of many different types of media that you write do you have a, a favorite medium oh well I mostly write plays I would say um this just sprung like I said it was like a response to a prompt I mean I I write poetry usually as like a response to something that like is being asked of me mm-hmm. um but I really mm-hmm. I really enjoy 
yeah, I think playwriting is like the biggest creative thing that I do. I mean, every once in a while I'll write a short story or if I'm trying to like do an exploration of something. But I think poetry can be really evocative towards getting to the heart of things. Um, and it's really interesting formally because it's just like a more con- contained thing as opposed to like a play feels like so much more expensive and there's all these different perspectives. Um, yeah, I, does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's so cool. Is this, the piece that you read, is that going towards a theatrical setting, do you think? No, I'm, I'm actually thinking about, um, and in conversations with a director about collaborating and making it into a short film, um, cool. because it's just pretty low budget and um, contained uh, within, like, a biker. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. We'll see. Very cool. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Keep y'all posted. But it should <laughs> yeah, be happening yes, this summer. Please do. Keep your eyes peeled, listeners. What, who are some of your... Do you read a lot of poetry? I do, yeah. What, well, who are some poets that you've been enjoying lately? Oh, my God. I mean, I read um, Homie by Denez Smith um, over Christmas, and I really, really enjoyed that. I mean, I love, like, Mary Oliver. <laughs> I love Emily Dickinson. Oh, my God. Okay, um, speaking of Mary Oliver, I recently read her poem, Wild, Wild Geese. Oh, yeah, um, that's her... Made it's me very feel famous. things. Yeah, she's you know? got she's got a lot of really, really great collections, um, and she's really accessible, which I love. Um, I also really like Adrienne Rich. I find her poetry really, really evocative. Um, Elizabeth Bishop. I read a whole, a whole article about her in my, my class. Oh, wow. She's a really cool lady. She sure is. Again, another very sad, sad woman. Uh, (laughs) so many poets are. Just sad. And I'm like, girl, it's gonna be okay. (laughs) Um, we'll make it through together. Can I just ask, Iris, when you said that Mary Oliver is, like, accessible as a poet, do you just mean, like, her work is available online, or can you can you speak a little bit about that? Oh, I think, um, formally her poems are quite short. They use, like, really simple language and simple imagery. Like, I think it's really easy for anyone to read her poetry and understand it. I don't think there's, like, huge barriers to entry. Um, mm-hmm. versus something, like, more formally complex, like... I don't know, any of Shakespeare's poetry, for example, is just, like, takes a bit of work. And, like, usually, like, you need, like, a guide in terms of, like, a director or an English teacher. It's just not as easily accessible, like, textually. You you mentioned you were in classical for people who listen who don't go to NYU. Um, That's the, that's the, literally the classical studio. So it's Shakespeare amongst other things. I don't really know. I was... Not it's pretty it much just Shakespeare, yeah. and then the last project of the year is a devised piece. So it's like Shakespeare and New Works are like Ooh. the two kind of focuses. But the main yeah. focus, like the biggest, like three quarters of the focus yeah. is Shakespeare. Shakespeare. So, so um, do you have a particular Shakespeare play that you're a big fan of? Um, or <sighs> you know, I go back and forth. I mean, I love, I love all break. of them pretty much for different reasons. I think. I think King Lear is a real masterpiece, but I also really love The Winter's Tale, and a lot of people will fight me on that. But I really, there's Look, something and I'm about it. Fists. <laughs> there's something about and it. And what what about The Winter's Tale? Do you like like so much? Um, I'm really interested in the resurrection at the end and in mm-hmm. the friendship between Hermione and Paulina. And I think that's really interesting that that's in that play. Yeah. I've I'm actually never seen the play. <laughs> I've like, never I can't read it. Engage my dialogue. <laughs> I'm I cannot sorry. engage dialogue about this one because I've never read it. 
That's it's like awesome. the monologue. If you've ever heard the monologue, sir, spare your threats. The bug which you would frighten me with, I seek. That's oh. that's a Hermione monologue. Yeah. And like the big yes. trial scene. Um, okay. Yeah. I didn't know, like I had read Romeo and Juliet before college, I think. And then <laughs> Professor Jane Malmo was one of my first teachers who was like, we're going to read measure for measure and we're going to analyze it for an entire semester. And we did. And I was like, wow so much here and then that's I started my, reading Shakespeare that's my dream because I feel like in a lot of classes and just in general you go through so much so quickly mm. and like for once I would like to just read something slowly and really analyze it yeah it was crazy it was I was like what more could we possibly have to say and there was a whole semester's worth in, in that play so it's like I uh I but so many classes at NYU it's like this is my entire like, field uh, of study let's do it in like Act three weeks five, yeah Read Act um, 5 tonight. Right. Read all of the play tonight. And tonight, we'll discuss and it then tomorrow. let me know what you think. Yeah, Synthesize like, your thoughts. Synthesize. <laughs> Absorb all of that. Right. <laughs> and get back to me. And get back to me immediately. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Measure for Measure is great, though. It's Isabella great. is I'm, a very interesting character. And, like, amazing. the forces of religion and right. chastity in conflict. It's very interesting. <laughs> So it's a good one. I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of that one. But I started reading Shakespeare like because of that class because it was always so inaccessible, like you said. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna put in the time and effort because now there's a lot of resources online. Yeah. Uh, where you can read Shakespeare and it will like translate it for you as you go along, which is a cool initiative. I love that. Um, I don't know why my middle school decided that we should read Merchant of Venice. Um, <laughs> Your middle school? But, yep. Whoa. <laughs> read Merchant of Venice in seventh grade and then read Macbeth Jr. of high school and that was it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I had quite the introduction to uh, yeah. Shakespeare. And then I was like, he writes comedies? I, I didn't know. <laughs> I, I had no idea. I, I realized he was a no- funny, funny man. <laughs> All right. Um, all right, though. Um, I'm curious, Iris. What are who would you say are some of your like influences as as writers or even like filmmakers or just like in general? But who are would say people who influence your art? Um, well, right now I'm working on this adaptation of the Odyssey as a play, and Emily Wilson is the first woman who translated the Odyssey famously, um, and she I think is just a huge inspiration. Um, as a classicist and as someone who's like cares so much about word choice and perspectives um I've had like really emotional responses to like to reading Toni Morrison um trying to think Ali Smith the British or sorry Scottish writer um fiction writer I just find her work super evocative um of course, like, when you're asked this question, like, all of the names that you've prepared just Yeah, leave, leave your brain immediately. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, if anyone wants, like, a reading list or recommendations or anything like that, like, I I tend to gravitate more towards um, female um, identifying authors, I think, on, like, a cool. larger scale. Yeah. Love, Love that. that. Do you read any... Do you read short stories for fun? Um, sometimes. Yeah, I really like George Saunders' short stories. Um, Me too. I just yeah. read a George, I just read Civil War. What, are, what so is his, funny. like, most famous short story? Um. Uh, uh Girls, probably? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I've read, I knew I've read, 
He published this, um, this anthology called 10th of December that was really mm-hmm. popular for a while, and it's in that. I'm a creative writing manner, and in my intro to fiction poetry, we read that George Saunders short story. We also girls. read a short story by Otessa Moshfeg. I highly suggest her. I think she's really great, and she's like, well, I think it's like really readable. Mm-hmm. Um, she's really good at writing like main characters that suck, but are so <laughs> enticing. Like they're the worst person you've ever met, but you can't not like them. Um, you can't not like be want to know what happens. Um, sick, sick. Shout out to Otessa Moshveg. Love you, girl. <laughs> Love you, girl. Um, awesome. Well, Iris, is there anything else that you want to say before we ask? Um, the question. What you do when you have writers? <laughs> the about question the piece, of this series. About, we'll ask you like what you want to shout out on Instagram after, but like anything about what we've talked about so far. No, this has been so lovely. I love talking about writers and writing. Yeah. Cool, Amelia. You want to ask? Gosh, sure. Uh, so really, just thought of this question <laughs> right now. Um, <laughs> what do you do when you have writers block? Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's really hard. Um, I like how everyone's answers normally like stop writing. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean what I really and it's probably like cliched, but I really find like physically moving and physically mm. doing things to be like really helpful. So I always try to create situations where, even though if I have a deadline for something, yes, but also like giving myself plenty of room between me and the deadline. So that I don't feel like I have, like, ten, I don't know, five hours to do something and, like, I'm driving myself crazy. Um, and so I really find, like, getting outside, like, stretching, <laughs> playing mm-hmm. music. I don't know, like, just something that has nothing to do with it and then coming back to it. Um, but really trying to take the pressure. Because I feel like writer's block for me really comes from when I feel like I've got, like, a big pressure to, like, perform. And all of a sudden I'm like... <gasps> Um, (laughs) so I don't know. So I guess two things, physical stuff, planning ahead. Mm. That's a really solid answer. We so often get like, I I was like, I don't write. It's like, Um, well, what if you have a deadline? That's a really, that's a solid, solid answer. I mentioned to you guys that I was listening to the podcast before, but it was podcast with Greta Gerwig. And she said something that I thought was super interesting, which is that she, above her desk where she writes has a little post-it note that says it's okay to be boring mm. and I was like cause she's like cause then it's easy I can write boring pages for days like <laughs> uh, like she's like there's no need It's I, I get bad at writing when I'm like it has to be exciting um, so I was like it is okay to be boring hey <laughs> no I'm a big believer um, in that like I feel like for anything that I show anybody I like write maybe three or five times more than what I end up showing I'm like a huge overwriter, um which has gotten me into trouble sometimes <laughs> but it's mostly a good thing because then I can be like okay I have all this crap this this is like the thing that I was like trying this is like like all of what I did had to get me to this thing yeah so it's all useful yeah, I agree yeah Writing. So often it's so easy to get caught up in like the muck of it, and like the more the more the more times I write a draft of something, the easy, the the 
more I can distill what I'm actually trying yeah. to Taika say. Yeah. Taika Waititi said this really interesting thing where, I don't think I could do this because I have such a horrible memory, but what he said he did when he wrote Jojo Rabbit is he had written it, like, seven years ago, and then he was like, oh, he, like, did all this stuff, like, what we do in the shadows, Thor Rangok, or however you say it. Ragnarok. Um, and he had done all this stuff, and then he came back to him and was like, I really do want to make this film. So he read his script again put it aside like hit it away and then just wrote the whole thing again um and so which i'm like is crazy um but he was like like, i think the most important parts i guess stick with you the most important parts stick with you the yeah i think his idea is that like i think actually rosary quinn says this to me and i thought it was really smart which was that like memory is the best editor like if you forget something there's a reason this woman Uh, will cut your whole script (laughs) she goes memories no i I totally believe that too like i think like when you when something is memorable for good or for bad like you Mm. like like it affects you in some way it changes Mm. yeah like if you can't remember like, you can't remember why you wrote it, then why, like, why'd you write it? Like, you don't need it. Right. Um, you can't remember that, that it was important, yeah. So. Yeah. So you, you're, so, okay, your advice, Iris, is move around and give you a lot of space for the deadline. Yeah. Just, like, make, like, a plan. Yeah. You know, I'm a big, like, organized person, um. Which I think I, is, like, a good and a bad thing. But yeah. mostly, like, is kind of useful. But, like, if you can, like, plan ahead and be like, okay, I'm going to, like, do this here, this here, this here, this yeah. here. And then if you go more than that, great. But at least yeah. then you, like, set the bare minimums so that you're not, like, stressed out yeah. and cramming. Mm-hmm. Right. What kind of music do you listen to to, like, get in the mood to write? Oh, gosh. I usually actually don't listen to music when I write because I find it really distracting because then I'm like, what's happening musically? Um, <laughs> however, I do love music. I listen to a lot of different music, I would say. Um, okay. I, it really depends on the day. I mean, oh, I did not prepare for this. That's what um, we did. It's okay. And I'm like, I feel Give like everyone like is, two artists. everyone is flying out the window right now in my brain. Yeah, but I really love. Give us like two artists you listen to. I listen a lot to No Name, Jenny Aiko. Um, I, I love Megan Thee Stallion. I just, I love her so much. I find her music super empowering. Um, but I, and then I also listen a lot to like Joni Mitchell and Leonard Cohen and, um, uh, I sometimes listen to show tunes. Um, uh, don't love show tunes. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it really, and I make like playlists with myself, with friends. And so it's oftentimes like not even a specific artist, but like a combination of a lot of different songs and sounds, um, in conversation with each other. That's so delicious. I love, I, I read a thing the other day that was like, people who have eclectic music tastes are like the best people to like be around because it's just so like energy like energy is like it's always good you know what I mean like it's totally and I will say so I just moved into the sublease and my roommate has a record player and so we can like play records um which is just like so nice and and so it's like for like be hanging out listening to like Linda Ronstadt or something it's just like stuff that I wouldn't normally put on but then here I am like listening to a whole album because it's a record player and that's what you do um which is really fun fun I was wondering too are you learning a particular instrument right now yeah so right now I'm looking at my music friends um (laughs) right now I play guitar and piano and I'm trying to get to be a stronger piano player. Um, cool. 
Nice. Yeah. I too am trying. Yay. Yeah. Cool. I was, that was really just, I was curious. No, totally. <laughs> yeah, we have a volume and then I forgot. So. <laughs> it's all good. It's all Here good. Here we are. <laughs> um, Iris, do you have any parting thoughts? Oh, God. Any quotes you'd like <laughs> to share? Um, any any l- last final soliloquy moments you'd like to give us? Oh, gosh. I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm, ah. anything, anything you want to, <laughs> anything you want to, like, I don't know. Well, you can also, uh, like, actually, you okay, I do have a thought. So recently, yeah, I've been, like, prioritizing self-care more. Yes. And it's been really nice. And I, I did some extra work and had some disposable income, which was like a novelty. And I bought some skincare products for myself. Um, and so I guess like, if I'll leave anyone with that, just prioritize self care. Yes. And however, like it manifests for you. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. You're glowing. You're absolutely glowing. Your skin looks great. I don't know what it looked like before, but it looks great now. (laughs) Right now? Really I think it's just placebo, but like I feel fancier, so like yeah, no, and that's 100% honestly that's real. Yeah, and like even real. if I'm not gonna see anybody in a day, like if I wash my okay. face and moisturize, like that's a good thing. Okay, that's a win. It's a great day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Excellent. Self care. Self care. Um, mm. uh, would you like to plug anything? Like anything you're doing? Anything your friends are doing? Um. Oh, you can also just tell us your Instagram. Leave it that. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, well, I'm about to be developing a play in a, in a residency, um, in Canada for two weeks, but I can't invite anybody to it because it's, like, closed <laughs> readings, um, but I'm really excited about it, and it's professional, and, I, I, yeah, it's, it'll be fun. Um, it's Working. May 9th to the 23rd. Very nice. Awesome. So exciting. Amazing. Thank you Cheers. so much, Iris. Thank you both. This was this yes, was lovely. So thank Thanks for the chats. So fun. Thanks for letting me Thanks read my chats. thing. Thanks for the recs. So excited to listen to listen to all these books. I guess I could listen. To you can listen to on tape. Listen to the books. <laughs> That's not unheard of. That's not unheard of. You're right. Audiobooks. You're right. It is a it is a well a well worn well known. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, listeners, for listening. Thank you kindly. Writer's Block Party was created by Invisible Disco Productions. It's produced by Amelia Annan, Danis Blatt, Lauren Montez, Thea Thronson, Colleen Annan, Jess Thronson, and Jim Keane. And is edited by Noah Friend. If you enjoyed this, check us out at IDP Presents WBP on Twitter and at Invisible Disco Productions on Instagram and Patreon. Thanks and have a great week.